Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Support WrestleTalk. Donate on Patreon. Making their way to the ring at a combined weight of undeniably sexy, hailing from London, the Wrestle Ramble Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Wrestle Ramble Podcast. I am Ollie Davis and I'm joined. By Luke Owen. I didn't do the, the, the inflection thing, mostly because I forgot. Well, that's fine, because I don't think many people like it anyway. What are you talking about? I have had some feedback the from people say that... The swafters love it. I don't think they do. They love it. <laughs> <laughs> hello, Swaft Nation, and a hello to you, Oliver Davis. How the devil are you? I'm doing okay. I finished watching that Flat Earthers documentary I spoke about yesterday, oh, yeah? Behind the Curve. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's, it was Un, had unexpected feels. Hmm. I started watching it thinking, I'm going to laugh at Flat Earthers for 90 minutes. But actually, a, a large majority of the people were very, very smart and, and, and sort of like inquisitive, naturally inquisitive, and they're like, well, I'm going to prove this. The only, the only difference between me and them is that they use those powers to prove the Earth is flat. Mm-hmm. Something they have tremendous difficulty in doing. Yes, there's this bit in the in the film where they they say, "Well, all we need to do is get one of these super special laser gyroscopes from a plane, but they're twenty thousand dollars, and then we can show that the Earth, like, because when the when the if it's a globe, if it's a ball <laughs> that's moving, yeah. then you have one of these, and every hour or so, based on the way the Earth rotates." In theory, <laughs> yet it should tilt by about 15 degrees. Mm-hmm. And someone bought one and they did it and it tilted 15 <laughs> degrees. <laughs> and, and, and they and they like were like, okay, well, hmm, okay, that's that's not the result we wanted. But you know, the scientific method is all about trying, trying, and trying again, trying to break your hypothesis. So they did it again in a new way where it was in this isolated ice chamber thing, another really expensive expenditure, and it tilted 15 <laughs> degrees again. And I'm like, huh, I know. It's because the, it's tracking the the sky. The sky's tracking 15 oh, degrees. Oh, I see. So they did this, they put it in another thing that would stop it tracking the sky, 
and it's still <laughs> tilted 15 degrees. And I'm like, we're going to have to find another experiment. <laughs> <laughs> just, but it's like, they're, they're really smart. Like to think of all those ways to yeah, break yeah. that, like that theory. I was like, that's, that's really good. And a, a lot of the scientific experts they brought on to talk about it. Like they told them about these experiments and a bunch of them were like, that's a really interesting experiment. <laughs> and then they did this, there was this scientific community like speech thing that had a lot of people making fun of flat earthers. But then one guy came out at the end and said, hey, look, like it's funny for us to look down on flat earthers, but these these are actually really smart people who have just fallen through. These are these could have been scientists if their lives went another way and and didn't become so fixated on this one mm. theory. And it's really our job as scientists to 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 be in a, a dialogue with them and not look down on them and not like patronize them and and make them, you know, like work towards something together because it's like flat earth. I don't think they they I I think they believe in flat earth because of some distrust of authority. It's the Illuminati. <laughs> arguments yeah. and things like that like when me and laurie made fun of the illuminati or people who tell you that there is an illuminati on an episode of nxt and uh, a guy commented saying like you're an absolute idiot if you don't think there is something there is like a higher power at work and i'm like well no it's just the the higher power is corporations controlling everything like that's not the illuminati that's just corporations who control parliament that's and and the presidency that's just how life works there's there's no secret bunker with lizard people in it yeah but it's like but then you're like well why do people believe in a <clears throat> in the illuminati not just like the Illum like i still think the illuminati is a symptom of something mm. rather than oh it's because it's the illuminati who flat earth and everything i think there's um there's an element of of simplification because it's easier well that's think... that, that's what i mean i, oh, I wasn't yeah. saying the two were connected i'm just saying that there is I, oh, I, right. think, I think a lot of people just want to find like just one thing that they can say that is what it is i don't trust nasa ergo the, the, sure, the sure. earth must be flat yeah and it just i never really thought of it before but it's also they they don't trust NASA. They don't trust the government. They don't trust anything big like that because society's kind of left them behind and like they feel outside of society. And I think that's something everyone can relate to at one time or another. But like for them, it's very extreme and almost pathological. Yeah. So, yeah, I was it was a really interesting documentary. And I think I finally get AJ Styles. <laughs> Um, slightly, slightly on that subject, I suppose. Sorry, I nearly coughed into the microphone there. Um, yesterday's episode, not a positive episode. No. And I could tell that it was not a positive episode because I got feedback. And we mm. I, we never get feedback on episodes unless it was an episode that everyone, of, uh, that people loved, of an episode of Raw or Smackdown that they loved and we didn't like. That's the only time I, we ever get feedback on this show or the actual content of this show. And I got two different emails, and I had several tweets as well saying, like, you were too negative, you were this, that, and the other. Someone suggested that we, sh like, change up the, the lineup so that, like, you're not burned out on Raw all the time and I'm not burned out on SmackDown. That's why we hate the shows all the time. Uh, going by the Elimination Chamber review and the other reviews we've done this year, I don't think that's the case. Yeah. I just think we just, we didn't like one episode. 
Well, let's let's dive because let's so, yeah, dive into some. Absolutely, yeah. some so, debates so uh, I mean, this in comes, the spirit of flat earth. Absolutely. Well, and, and that's, yeah. I wanted to connect that to this because it's it's sort of tangentially connected. Uh, hey, man, it was very sad listening to this week's wrestle ramble. Just too much negativity. I had to skip over most of it up until the outro. I think this comes from you and Ollie agree on most wrestling opinions. Maybe you need someone else to add a diversity to the conversation, as a lot of your fans find the show too negative at times. And dude, your part about the prime minister going against global warming. Well, a lot of people just don't believe in it and think scientists solutions will not work in reality and tech and the free market would sort this problem out have a good day much love and peace mm. well i mean that that's uh it's difficult because i think people also like consistency of the lineup uh like i because you could you could listen to many different reviews of raw but i think most people listen to this show to get mine and yours reviews together yeah as, as a sort of coherent thing and we disagree a lot of times but we also do agree on a lot of stuff um you you weren't as negative as on it as i was but i don't think anyone in our office would would have been the other way not 100 percent the other no, way absolutely like not. none of us loved it in fact all of us were quite down on it i'm not saying your opinion's wrong nope I, i'm I, you know i i actually agree that it was surprising I just it's a surprise I didn't like but I can see why people liked the cool ups for a shock factor and a freshen up because my god my god didn't raw need it but I I don't think um, you should let someone else's opinion on one thing make you go oh well I don't like them as a person anymore no and I get it as well because like way back when and I'm, I'm talking like very, very way back when, when I used to do the old version of the movie podcast that you and I eventually just hosted on our own. Way back when, when it was in the Skype call days, when I would uh, Skype some of the other writers and we would just talk about movies. There was one reviewer that we had on there that hated every big budget movie. Like if it was a blockbuster movie, unless it starred Tom Cruise, he hmm. just hated it. And... It it really sucks to be on those calls where you're like, I loved Iron Man 3. I loved this about it. I loved this about it, this about it. And he would go, this sucked, this sucked, and this sucked. And it especially wound me up when he would say something and I'd go, I do agree with you on that. That was a big problem with the movie, but I did love the film anyway. So I'm, it just annoys me even more that I think you're right. Mm. And, and I'm not saying that's the case here, but it does bum you out to listen to something. If you really love something and then you listen to a lot of people going like well that was crap then you're like it kind of yeah it, it, it does going to bum you out a little bit but also i think at the same time it's good to hear a variety of opinions i was having a conversation with a debate on someone on twitter yesterday who was defending Paige's comments about the way she said about WWE because he he his argument was well she amended the statement and people just didn't read between the lines i was like well no one there's no lines to be read between she literally said it was never wwe holding women back it was the fans who were at fault. Like, there's no out of context to take that quote. All the context is there. She was towing the company line, and it was a very silly thing to say. And then, uh, then on Twitter, she was like, people missed my point. What I was saying was there's fault on both sides. That's not what you said. And we kind of had this debate, but he was just adamant, like, no, you're... That's that's not what she said. That's not what she said. You're not listening to what she said. And I'm like, well, I was listening to what she said. And you just have these agreed. And in the end, we're like, we'll just agree to disagree. You're not going to change my mind. I'm not going to, and I'm not going to change your yeah. mind. And it really it was actually winding me up a little bit during the day because I'm like, oh man, you're not listening. Mm. I think it's good to have a diverse of opinions. And that's kind of what we were saying at the end of this. It's like he listens to the show or he watches the rest ramble, doesn't always agree with us, but he enjoys watching it anyway. 
And I think that's it's good to always have different opinions. Yeah. Um, we got uh, one more email on this day before we get into the main show itself. Uh, this uh, comes in from Paul and it says, Hello, Luke, Ollie, and Laurie. Uh, the debut on the main roster for Johnny and Champa are in storyline. They are somewhat back together. They stood at the top of the ramp holding their titles at the end of TakeOver, Phoenix, and then a week later on, the same team for Halftime Heat. So this really isn't damaging. It's perfectly in storyline, but it is an anticlimactic re- re- reunion of Heel DIY. Love you, bye. I mean, this is not a reunion of heel DIY. This is a babyface DIY. That that would be my argument. Yeah, I, I totally agree that it's anticlimactic. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, and and it just feels like their characters have changed as well. I like, agree. When, when when did Tommaso Ciampa fight for NXT? In in a like when he delivered that line on Raw, it felt genuine. Like he was there to fight for like his beloved promotion. But if he said that same line in NXT, it would be a delusional heel way of saying it where actually he's damaging that promotion. I I made this argument on Twitter yesterday and I make it in my SmackDown review. Would NXT have booked those segments? Would they have booked a backstage segment where Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano were Mm. watching a TV screen and then said, we're fighting for NXT and then booked them in a tag match where they're baby faces against a heel team? They wouldn't have because it doesn't make sense for the story. Yeah. So if it doesn't make sense for a story in NXT, why are we forgiving it when they do it on Raw? But anyway, let's get on with the show itself. We are more positive about on this episode. We do have some grievances with the NXT stuff because, of course, we do. Um, but I thought the show actually was very good. I really enjoyed SmackDown this week. Here's the show, and we'll be back again for the outro in a little bit. Where I'm, I'm not going to go over all the re... I still don't like that the whole NXT thing's happened. I stand by everything I said yesterday. There was a lot of debate on my review and what, what we said in the Wrestle Ramble. And I think we can all agree on two things. One, it was a surprise. Definitely a surprise. It was surprising. Whether it's a good surprise or a bad surprise, that's up for debate. Number two, the crowd was dead. Yes, yeah. Uh, and whether that's the crowd's fault or WWE's fault, that's also up for debate. Chicken or egg, which mm. came first? But we can, it's interesting on SmackDown because the same stars appeared here. Shane McMahon walked out at the start of the episode, did an in ring promo, slapping hands, smiling, not really mentioning anything at all about his tag title loss. Just two days previously. The titles he desperately wanted to win. That was his childhood dream. I mean, maybe he didn't. He never dreamt about a lengthy reign. He just <laughs> wanted to win them and get on the books. Just do one photo shoot with them. Yeah. And he, he, he gets in the ring and he says, all those guys that were on Raw, so Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, Alistair Black and Ricochet, they're also, I was so impressed with them. Although, what authority does he have? Because there, there are, are no, no authority, authority figures. figures. I was so impressed with them. They're also going to be in action here tonight. And I was just like, okay, okay. I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to drop all the the, the 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 sort of fury that I had about this whole situation and just treat this as an isolated thing. And sometimes, just to warn you, bits will still bubble up. Yes. Like every time I see DIY together... That something will bubble up and I go, something's not quite right here. Well, it's because you're passionate. I said this in my SmackDown review. I think the reason why 
you and I were the way we were in that Raw review yesterday and sort of our feelings on those NXT call-ups. It's because we care. It's because, um, in particular, about this Gargano Champa storyline that we've been so invested in for the last three years that just seeing this, just it didn't sit right with me. And that really put a damper on it. Also didn't like seeing Alistair Black take, you know, being in a match with Elias where Elias took 90%. The comedy jobber took 90% of the match. If you, I mean, it's not like, to call him a jobber is maybe a bit harsh, but he's very much a lower mid-card guy. He has got no credibility whatsoever. He was laid out by Jeff Jarrett, of all people. Mm. But I would say, with the NXT guys on this show, aside from DIY, they were presented better. Because Black had a match with Andrade, which was a competitive match where both guys got something out of it and Black got the win. It didn't really hurt Andrade, but it made Black look very good. This was so much better than having Elias do a headlock on Alistair Black for 10 minutes. And, well, we, we'll get into each each person uh, shortly, but that was the first match. I think the crucial difference between Raw and SmackDown, because not... Like, not much changed in the presentation of these NXT call-ups. There's still very little context. They're still not really giving you much reason. If you've never watched NXT and aren't familiar with these guys, which the large portion of WWE viewers are not. I think it's so much larger than a lot of people think it is. Yeah, like, in, in, in our bubble, it feels like NXT is a huge thing. But really, it's, it's not a big thing outside in, in comparison to the, well... Maybe the the portion's getting bigger, but that's only because the the mainstream viewership is, <laughs> is going shrinking. down. Yeah, uh, is so the main difference is the crowd here, and it did help. I'm I'm not gonna lie, it did help seeing these guys get reactions. And you know, this is the New Orleans crowd. It's a much better wrestling city, and you got people chanting NXT when Alistair Black came out because, like you said, he was in a match with Andrade, and they had that great feud together. In the, same, in the same place. Yeah. Just like last year over the NXT Championship, which they brought up on commentary, which gives you a much better sort of like understanding of why this match should be a big deal on SmackDown. Like it was Alistair Black's debut match way back when, when he against Andrade. That's how he came into the company. Um, if you ignore the Tommy End thing. But that's the other like, side of things. People were saying that, well, Gargano and Champa have been tagging on halftime heat and the house shows. And I'm like, I don't think that's part of continuity because it's never been brought up. On, like on NXT that they have tagged together. Whereas the main roster, I think they see halftime heat as more in continuity <laughs> than all of NXT. It's it's the bizarrest thing. Because like two weeks ago on NXT, Johnny Gargano cut a promo where he said, I hate you, Tommaso Chamber. We're not a tag team. We're not friends. I only came out on the stage at Phoenix and posed with you to show you that I could win a title on my own. So it's then very weird for them to be backstage going like, we're here for NXT. I think in Vince McMahon's head, because Halftime Heat was one of the most watched matches involving NXT wrestlers ever. the most watched. Yeah, yeah, because because it just had so much attention in it from the Super Bowl halftime. It was on like Facebook and YouTube and all these different outlets. So maybe there's a, if it's it's kind of the old, if a tree falls in the woods, that does it does it actually does make Vince a sound? McMahon hear does it? Vince McMahon here it is crucial. Yeah. And the NXT viewership to him is just it's 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 not, it's a triple H well, thing. Yeah, Vince doesn't watch NXT. Like that's that's well documented. Vince doesn't watch NXT, which is why when a lot of NXT call-ups come up to the main roster, he's like, who are they? Mm. And I don't really know and he looks at Bobby Roode and he's like and he hears the theme so he's like, Oh cool, so you're a baby face then. And you're like, well, no, no, I was actually, I was a heel. Actually, no, it's more complicated it's than a that. A bit more complicated than that. I was like, no, 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 babyface, I like it. Go mm. out there, wear the robe. Yeah. Well, uh, 
so so Alistair Black comes out and I and and this right and he's getting this good reaction and I'm like okay I'm just gonna drop all the the fury of this stuff because you know in my in my belief I feel like these guys should should have a, just a lot more story and immediate substance behind them rather than just here they are. Like, I'll be fine with here's one guy. That's it. I'll, I'll be a little bit more like, ah, oh, if you go here's two guys, but four guys who are such big players in NXT, I'm not going to, I'm going down the, I'm going, well, getting they, dragged into the fury hole absolutely, again. Absolutely, yeah. But the, the key point there is because it's four of them at the same time and all four of them are then competing for audience attention. Whereas if it was just Ricochet came down to help Finn Balor against Bobby Lashley and then Shane was like and Ricochet was so impressive that we're going to have a match with him again tonight Ricochet would feel like a bigger deal than just being he is one of four people like look at the last few months of Smackdown and the great job they've done with Mustafa Ali and Kofi Kingston where they've turned a whole character around and catapulted them into the mainstream with credibility over the course of a night Really, in 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 an hour, in Kofi Kingston's case, I know he's got a lot of stuff behind him, but if we if we look at it like that, they that worked for them, and they've got in Ali's case like two years behind him in WWE. Kofi's obviously a lot more, like eleven years. It's like if you do that with one guy, it can work. But imagine if they did that with four different guys last week on SmackDown into this gauntlet match, and yeah. they are all running the gauntlet. You'd be like, well, you know, I, I really like these guys, but. Yeah, that, that's exactly who, who, Who's yeah. my main guy? Who's the man? And as I sort of met in the review as well, whenever I think of like the, the great NXT call-ups, the ones I think about are The Shield and Kevin Owens. And mm. like just people being... Kevin put, Owens is... Like, yeah, it's looked over, isn't it? Because he's he was mishandled afterwards. But what a great first couple of weeks. Just going straight into a big-time storyline with, with top guys, people that you recognize and you care about, and you're like, okay, cool, so they're already in a storyline. I can get invested in that storyline. What is Alistair Black's storyline in, in WWE? He's moody. <laughs> what is Ricochet's storyline? They're just lads having matches, and they're winning those matches, and that's grand, but that's more the Bobby Roode side of NXT call-ups. That's more like the Andrade side of NXT call-ups, where it's just like, hey, they're here, and they've won a match. Mm. Let's move on to the next thing. Yeah, yeah, but like when when as Alistair Black came out, and I, you know, I, I got sucked into the Fury thing. I'm, I'm, you've got to believe me. I'm trying hard not to. I liked this episode of, of SmackDown. So did I. <laughs> well, you know, if you take out all the, I still have all the problems. Yeah, all the problems. But I'm just not going to talk. Well, I'm going to try not to talk about it. <laughs> Alistair Black comes out, and then Andrade's music hits. And I wasn't aware that this match was happening. They did I, say it on commentary. Yeah, well, that goes yeah. over my head it sometimes. It was Todd Phillips. And I just like, well, okay, I can't be too down on this because we're getting Alistair Black and Andrade. Yeah, yeah. It, it, but this would have been a much more impressive match if, if this had like a month, at least a month worth of build and you can play off their history. But yeah, fine, fine. This is, I'm looking forward to this. And the crowd are chanting NXT. It's that New Orleans crowd. And you, you show Gargano and Champa watching backstage, which was cool. But then at the same time, I was like, oh, it doesn't set right with me. And they had, you know, a, a pretty good match. I'm not going to say it was amazing. Um... And I'm not. I'm not going to say this was the incredible. Wow, you've really got yourself over to the main roster audience, Alistair Black. But it was. It was good. It was a better debut to the main roster audience than his match with Elias was. Mm. And so, because of that, a massive thumbs up from me. Yeah, and I like the way how that. I mean, most of it was in the shrink screen ad break, 
which yeah but you, it's fine it's that, fine that's just a, that's a smackdown that's a, problem. that's a thing that happens and I, I like the way they almost protected Andrade in defeat in that it was a well-balanced match which I believed in and there were no rest holds what well, not rest holds that bored me at least and Black won with his black mass sort of out of nowhere yeah. and and you can kind of protect people in those finishes because you're like oh it was just a, lo- a, a lucky knockout strike Andrade went down and then I feel like the, they left enough in the tank for another match, which I would love to see. Yeah. Uh, but the crucial thing here, uh, aside from it not being in a match with Elias, was the commentary for Black was bearable. <laughs> I'm not going to say it was great. It, it, it wasn't by any stretch of the imagination if, for anyone who has standards. But it wasn't Michael Cole going, he's moody. He's, ooh, he's every tattoo on his body has a story behind it. And I'm going to bring up that fact Every time I see him. Yeah, that is very much a Michael Cole, isn't it? They didn't say Moody, which was the big thing that was, that's was that been mocked. Have you seen Alistair Black's Instagram post? I have not. He mocked up a the Moody Blues, apparently, or a band. They are a band. Yeah, and he put the Moody Blacks. <laughs> nice. And they photoshopped his face and all of the Very good. I, um, it's also, I think, crucial to note as well that these four lads all had NXT branding for their name yeah. uh their name bars which again suggests and it's weird because someone said i haven't checked this but someone said that the nxt twitter feed has been like saying goodbye to these people and we're getting like the, i think the next set of nxt tapings are happening this week which will be like the final builds towards um well actually it might be the not the final build but they're building towards takeover fast lane takeover fast takeover fast lane yeah, yeah, yeah it's coming at you baby thick and fast um so it will be interesting to see what storylines they're weaving into that show. Whether those storylines are actually going to pay off those main roster storylines, or if they're actually going to continue the storylines they were doing in NXT, and if their storylines they're going to be writing these characters out so they are going to go up to the main roster after WrestleMania and actually go to a specific brand, as opposed to being these are NXT lads, here they are. They teased a big announcement. Did you see that NXT? I did not. Yeah, a big announcement. No one knows what it is. But maybe it seems like, considering what happened on Monday and Tuesday, and NXT appears to have been gutted with no prior warning, there's going to have to be some big shakeup of of what's going on down there. But this this point of maybe like maybe there was no substance, and I think we can all agree there was no planning or substance prior to Monday of all this stuff happening. No. However, when reportedly the writers were told to think outside the box, let's do something big. Maybe they said, well, let's put these guys out there. They'll appear on Raw and SmackDown. And actually, we'll start telling this story now. And it's about a larger invasion angle. And that's the only way where I could, you know, a month from now, I'm not going to say, well, that's great storytelling because I still think you're missing the start. <laughs> but I'm going to say at least it got good. Yeah. And at least you, you made something of it. And, and so don't come to me in two months when we've had this great NXT invasion and say, uh-huh, uh, yeah, see, you're wrong now. But like, that's not how storytelling works. <laughs> um, it's still like a bad third of a movie at the start. It's just you, you left with the good part. Yeah. Um, but the... The DIY stuff, they're backstage, uh, they get a backstage bit. Do realize people are going to do that anyway. Yeah, I did, yeah. They get a backstage promo bit before their match against uh, The Bar. And Tommaso Ciampa said, said, we're here to take over. Yeah. And I just, it took me back to Triple H's slip in his opening promo 
where he said, as you know, I run NXT's like he, he's the line. The line he was meant to say was WWE's third global brand NXT. But he said, as you know, I run NXT. And he went, oh, sorry, it's live TV. You can make mistakes. And then he said, WWE's third touring brand. Mm. And I just, I just thought that was. You think these are little subtle drops? I don't know, mate. You know, like we we we're clutching at straws here because they have given us nothing story wise. So maybe these are actually subtle teases. Or is this going to be one of those situations which we get uh, criticised for, which you fantasy booked a storyline in your head, and then when that doesn't happen? But it's because there's no story here. I'm clutching at straws. Uh, so I don't know. It's so weird for Triple H to muck up on a promo, and then that and Champa saying we're here to take over. We've said forever. It's kind of funny how NXT's big events are called takeovers. It's like hiding in plain sight, this idea of a hostile takeover, a corporate takeover, when Triple H finally wrestles control from Vince McMahon. I thought the idea was it was just they were taking over the network. It was NXT taking over the network for a night. There's multiple interpretations. I think that's their by-the-book thing, but... It's Triple H, you know, he's called, he calls him, he hides in plain sight all the time. He's like, Mm. I'm the cerebral assassin. He bought the famous story that he bought Vince McMahon a dinosaur skull. Oh, yeah. That hangs up in Vince's office. I mean, like, what a loaded present that is. (laughs) Like, you can say, oh, yeah, but like, what, you know, this is the the thing that ruled the earth. And saying, yeah, but it it died. Died. It's extinct. It once ruled the earth. (laughs) It's like Triple H saying, here is a present of me going to kill you and take over your company corporately speaking yeah. kill you in in just five years and marry your daughter and become like it's just oh man i always think of that uh the wrestling observer radio when they were back on iada i think it's in 2001 or like 2000 it's like 1999 i'm pretty sure it's 2000 actually where brian alvarez says like i can just see it now triple h is going to be running this company at some point he's going to marry the boss's daughter and he's going to be running this place and it's like what an inc- like one off the cuff thing to say, and being like a very flippant, cynical way to look at it. And that's exactly what has transpired. Yeah. So this this backstage promo had Champa and Gargano still baby faces, still weird. I still, you know, they're fine, but it just it just, it doesn't make me. It makes me feel insulted and a little bit weird. Uh, and the bar came over and just <laughs> cosplaying as the purple thing from the McDonald's family. Grimace. Grimace. This was such an off-put. I mean, they're heels. It works for them. But this was just such a visually offensive outfit that they were both in. I didn't even notice it. It's horrible. (laughs) Uh, But that's good. It's their heels. And they... The bar joke how no one knows who these guys are, which is the exact same verbiage, really, that Chad Gable and Bobby Roode said to them the previous night. So they're obviously trying to build this this sentiment uh, that I guess the NXT guys can overcome. And Chamber says they're here to take over. And Gargano has this really good line. Like, it's, it's, I've forgotten how much of a good baby face he is because he's done this descent into darkness so well. But he's like, we're not here to set the bar. We're here to break the bar. It's just a great line. I thought, what? why has no one ever said that in a promo before? It's good. They thought of it this week, yeah. I guess. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy to think that yeah, Gargano, we always said he was like the best baby face ever in terms of WWE. He's, he was the best babyface WWE had since Daniel Bryan. And it's been like a guy, and Sami Zayn, of that guy that you just really wanted to get behind and win the NXT Championship, which made his heel turn all the more impactful because you're like, oh, you were so close. You were so close to being the best and the number one guy. And you've gone down this wrong path 
which is why it was such a good story and why it's so frustrating that their baby face is here and all of that's being ignored. Yeah, and it's not like Elias and Braun Strowman just turn on a whim like this week, they're a baby face. That was six months <laughs> of a slow descent where he got a little bit evil every month, yep. did a little bit like something more nefarious or Tell slightly you, cheating. All through costumes, oh. all subtle storytelling through the outfits that he was wearing. And it's all like, no, he's just a baby face on the main roster. But yeah, it's fine. We're, we're, not, we're not getting, we're sucked, getting in. sucked in. He looked at the title that Champa was holding, which uh, people really clutched onto yesterday to be like, no, 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 they are still telling the same story. Hmm. Where? Uh, on Halftime Heat. So the, the this was a better backstage promo than the previous night. I thought they, Champer and Gargano felt a little bit more natural. Not not as good as they presented in NXT, but it just, it didn't feel as scripted. Although it definitely was scripted, it didn't feel as stiltedly delivered. Yeah. Um, and, and the bar were, they're, they're good fun. And they laughed a lot. When they had Gargano a right old chuckle, that. didn't they? Yeah, it's like sort of evil... It was Shane Douglas levels of chuckling. <laughs> <laughs> it was like 80s hench person laugh. <laughs> 80s movie, that is. So this turned into DIY taking on the bar. Um, and, and it was just nice to see the crowd being into the, the DIY match, yeah. especially after the Revival one the previous night. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me, it's nuts to think that we, like on Raw, like 48 hours ago you know, more than 40 hours ago, I suppose. We had a rematch of that NXT TakeOver Toronto match that you and I reviewed for the Patreon podcast where we did nothing but talk about how awesome that match was. We were nothing but praising for it. And that was nothing, like, it was barely a talking point mm. on Monday because it was like, they had a match and the crowd couldn't have given less of an S. Yeah. At least, and you're right, the crowd really did elevate this show. I, did, I don't, they, they were dead during the Ricochet match. But that's yeah, because, that was weird. But that's because Ricochet was against Eric Young. Yeah, yeah. Who's been on TV like three times since he's debuted last year. So, of course, the crowd aren't going to react to him doing a headlock. And, and so I thought that was, that, was a real, that was a real shame for Ricochet. But I thought that DIY looked good. It just doesn't sit right with me. Mm, yeah, uh, the same. But this match as an in-ring thing, just like the Revival match, was, was really good. They're very good pro wrestlers. Yeah, um, man, Gargano and Champa as a team are so good. I don't even know if I'm being worked in one of these spots. <laughs> I just get Champa, and Champa in particular is so good. He's incredible. Working around this one knee injury. Yeah. Not like Seth Rollins has been selling the leg for about 20 years. And I'm just over it. I'm like, yeah, I care. I get it. Yeah. I get it. You're limping and now you're diving. I just, well, <laughs> are you hurt? But Champer, it's, and it's not even, he doesn't even do it. Well, he sells like you would sell in a fight where you don't sell and you just really suddenly do something. And, and credit to the commentary, they pointed it out as well. But it was a spot where he did a sunset flip powerbomb on Seamus, I think it was, mm. off the top rope. And Seamus fell on Champer's leg rather than in in between his legs. All of his weight fell onto his leg. Yeah, and then Champa rolled outside, and he's holding it. He's out there for a while, and the commentary team say, hey, that's Champa's surgically repaired knee, where he was out for almost a year. I thought medics were with him at one point, because all of a sudden you could see the front row of the crowd like look over the barrier yeah. as if something was happening down below. And as soon as that happened, I'm just like, oh my God, I if I didn't that. hate these NXT call-ups like this already, you freaking injured the NXT champion. I'm just like going into this rage vortex again. And then Gargano, in the meantime, 
is doing this fantastic baby face hot right and that and that gets me into Gargano's that's the beauty of them two they work as a tandem yeah uh, it's not it's not just that Johnny's one of the best hot tags in wrestling it's also that Champa's one of the best guys to set up that t- it's yeah, just yeah. it's a phenomenal partnership and like Gargano isn't even in full face mode like he's still, he, he. I think he's hanging on to his conflicted. He's trying. He's character. trying to make something of the character. Yeah, because if you go back and watch full babyface Gargano, like that, it's Shawn Michaels selling with the big eyes and everything, and really focus on facials. But here he's, it's a lot more about business. It feels, and, um, like Sheamus gets the pin on Gargano. I'm like, how is he going to get out of this? And Champa runs in. I was like, so are you injured or what? It was like I, I really got into it. Uh, I think they're one of the. I think they're one of the best tag teams in the world, and they're also two of the best singles wrestlers in the world. Uh, it's like all of this again comes back to that's why it's a shame that they've been treated. A shameless. A shameless. They've been treated like this. And to one of the, I, I got so many tweets about this yesterday, mm. um, and I think there were comments <laughs> left on the video. I think people have pointed this out. We have said in previous reviews. I would just like to see them redo the this Champa Gargano storyline again when they come to the main roster, and I'd be fine with that. And everyone's going, they're literally doing exactly what we asked for. And I was like, but crucially, they're still telling that story. The story hasn't finished yet. Yeah. In NXT, this story is still going on. If the story had come to a conclusion, and then six months later, they just started doing it again on, on Raw and SmackDown, I'd be like, grand. But it's not. It's still going on. We don't know what the conclusion of the story is yet. Yeah, I completely agree. Like you can't have two different continuities running at the same time. It doesn't work for comics. That's why people can't get into all these different Batman titles. We don't need 12 Batman titles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I replied to a comment like that. I was just like, yeah, I agree. I, I actually wouldn't mind seeing this whole storyline play out again. Finish the first one, though. <laughs> yeah. Don't have them play out at the same time. Yeah. Um, the... So Champa rolled up Sheamus for for the win in kind of like a similar finish where it protects the bar. It wasn't a decisive victory. And that's when I sort of sat back and I was like, oh, it's great that all these NXT call-ups are winning. But these aren't like, none of these have been dominant victories. And again, it's that like they don't all have to be dominant victories, but you've got four guys all called up, the top tier of NXT, and they're all hanging they're hanging in there and getting a win at the end. Well, that, that's it. Like, the, well, the matches they have no stakes, mm. and so therefore, when they get a win at the end of that, then there's no, you, you get sort of nothing out of it. Like, if Alistair Black goes back to NXT, like, what has he gained from being up on the main roster for Raw and SmackDown? What has Gargano and Champa gained from pinning the Revival and the Bar? Like, is it going to set up a Raw tag team title match for next week? Or are they going to be there next week? They think they're not calling these official call-ups. Mm. It's, it's this weird thing, as you said, because it's been this is such a last-minute decision. This is such a panic-booked decision that they don't know where they're going with it. It's the same with the on-their-way-to-WWE lot. Story is, they were all going to get called up after the Rumble anyway. But when they panicked, because ratings were down, you had Vince McMahon come out and say, Baron Corbin's at fault here, it's a new era, removing authority figures, etc., they didn't know what to do with them. So it's like, they're on all the brands. And then, but they, we can't have them in matches. They're just in backstage segments. So we just had that for weeks on end and video packages for them weeks on end where they didn't know what they were doing with them. And it still feels like we're at this point here with these four lads. They're on TV, but we don't know what we're doing with them just yet. And for me, 
And perhaps this is just me. Like that it's a surprise, grand. But for me, I'd rather a plan was in place. I'd rather you have a surprise with a plan in place. And we talked yesterday, it was like, what someone said, this would have been better if they were surprises. And I'm like, yes. But if you did like Ricochet was a surprise, and then you did Char Gargano and Champa as a surprise, and then you did Alistair Black as a surprise, Alistair Black's is not going to feel as important as Ricochet's did two hours earlier. Because yeah. we've all we're all surprised out. I mean, like you, you can kind of do that thing on a Raw after WrestleMania because the, the show's designed for those sorts exactly, of things. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, in in a random show after the Elimination Chamber in Louisiana, I think we can all agree that was a very bad decision. So, yeah. But you know, blames on the crowd. But you gotta you gotta say, hey WWE, what the hell were you thinking doing it there? Because I keep I keep coming back to it in my head, like. If you never did that first on their way to WWE call-up, but you just kept on teasing it's a new era and you started to move bits into place and you build the roar after the Royal Rumble as this big thing, and that's when you debut the guys you debuted this week. It actually kind of makes sense in terms of the storylines from NXT TakeOver as well. Yeah. Because you had, like, um, uh, Ricochet lose his title. Um, Although too Gargano. <laughs> yeah, Black didn't like didn't beat Champa. I'm trying to remember what yeah, matches yeah. were on that card. And then like you've got the all of a sudden that was the start of the DIY team then. And you can it, it, Yeah, uh. there, there was a and we actually said this with the on their way to WWE lot as well. Like they just said to you, here are six names. They're all coming up. Like and then for six weeks you don't do anything. So you're like, well, why don't you just do one a week then? When you mm. announce one every show and be like, this person's coming, this person's yeah. coming, rather than being like, here are a block of five videos. Now get excited for all of them. Yeah. Where is Lars Sullivan? Ah, uh, he's lurking. He's lurking. He's lurking too successfully because <laughs> no one knows where he is. Uh, speaking of people who have been missing. Eric Young I know, was mate. in the last of our NXT call-up matches with Ricochet. And like when when <laughs> when they announced this, I laughed. <laughs> I was like, of course. It's like the ghost of NXT present versus the ghost of NXT <laughs> past and future in one. Like I, I think sanity is one of the the biggest examples of how spectacularly NXT acts can be botched on the main roster. Oh yeah. Uh, so it was just a, a weird potential future mirror image if everything went wrong for Ricochet. Killian Dean kept asking, where is Sanity? Mm. Well, here you are, mate. You're standing on the outside so you can lose to, yep. the, to the new toy. What, what, and this, this is it. Like, when I saw this match, I was like, okay, so we're going to get a squash match now. And that's not what happened. Ricochet, like, Ricochet dominated the match, I would say. He, he only, Eric Young only got the upper hand when uh, Alexander Wolfe sort of Cause the distraction. Yeah, distracted stuff on the outside, and Ricochet had to dive on both guys to sort of eventually get the pin on on Young. But uh, I just, it's not. It's he's winning. He looked good, but this isn't. You know, it's just it's it's it doesn't feel like anything. It feels really lacking of substance. So on NXT, Laurie and I have been talking about this. Keith Lee's been in NXT now for. Months, mm. months and months and months and months and months. It was like Takeover Chicago was when he debuted, or whatever. whichever whichever show it was. It wasn't Brooklyn. It was the one in between Brooklyn and the WrestleMania show. So he's been there months and months and months and months and months, and has had a couple of squash matches. And he lost to Lars Sullivan, and he's lost to Cassius Ono. And me and Laurie saying it's like, well, no one's invested in Keith Lee, and why would you be? He's done nothing. He's just had 
matches, hasn't had a storyline, hasn't had a feud, and so he's not getting great reactions and he doesn't feel like, like anything special in NXT. And it's the same thing here. Like, these guys don't feel special if you just... Andrade, all of his loster was lost very, very quickly when he came to the main roster because they just had him do squash matches for a couple of weeks and then never put him on TV. And if you're not being put into a storyline, then WWE don't know what to do with you. So, it, and again, it's that chicken in the egg situation. If you put him in a storyline, then you would have had something to do with them. Yeah. Yeah, so this this match was... Uh, it, it, like, Sanity got their entrance in the shrink screen break, which is better than the actual match itself. So much, yeah. So, I'd much rather entrances be put in those yeah. breaks. Um, the announcers, I guess Ricochet's character is if you put your mind and heart to it, you can do anything. It's also set your DVRs because you're going to want to rewatch everything that he does mm. because he does flip de doos. Um, but yeah, this was, this was, this was whatever it was. It, it wasn't, it, it was fine. Ricochet looked good. Yeah, it was fine. Uh, I still, <laughs> I still can't figure out how Ricochet doesn't break his neck in the 6.30. It's incredible, right? Because he, he's he's like an inch away from the guy, and he still hasn't fully rotated. Yeah. But then he's he's fine, and he's standing up, and I was like, where's the, where's, there's a dropped frame here yeah. in real life. I don't get how he does it. He is. He's a video game come to life, Cole. So here's my proposal for... Because I think like Ricochet was the best showcased on Raw... Uh, yes, yeah, uh, but you know, I'm saying of of a flat crowd reaction and a, you know, the, yeah, it was it was the crowd reaction that did down DIY revival and it was just the Elias stuff that did down Black and Ricochet looked pretty good overall, I would say. Well, of of, of that bunch, at least against Leo Rush, yeah. And here I th- I felt like he looked the least special because he's he's fighting against Eric Young who's done nothing for a year. We're not saying it's their fault, we're not saying it's Keith Lee's fault, we're just saying it's the way they've been presented. And the crowd weren't as into this match. They but, popped they popped for flip doos Yeah, but they were they were noticeably quieter. Um for whatever reason. And I just thought, well, do you need this match? The the main event was a six-man tag with all the heels from the chamber versus all the baby faces in the chamber. So AJ Styles, Kofi Kingston, Jeff Hardy versus Daniel Bryan, Samoa Joe, Randy Orton. Why can't Randy Orton and Samoa Joe take out Jeff Hardy in that match, like previously in the night? And, ooh, we need a tag team partner. Don't announce who it is yet. And then Kofi Kingston's like, well, I got this guy and out comes Ricochet. And then you have him in that main event mix. The only downside to that, I would say, is that that match was designed for Kofi, which would have made Ricochet feel... That's a fair point, yeah. Which Ricochet wouldn't have felt special in that match either. Personally, I just wouldn't have had this match and just given that main event more time. Mm, yeah. But, and that's the thing. is like when, when Shane said, we're getting these NXT call-ups again, or these NXT guys again on TV, I was like... We don't need them on SmackDown. You need them on Raw because yeah, there's yeah. no one there. But we didn't need them on SmackDown. SmackDown's fine, like without yeah. them. So you could have not done them on this week's show. Or if you're going to do that, do different call-ups. Do like we kind of predicted it might be Kyrie Sane, or like just focus on the women's side of things this time. Do Kyrie Sane and Io Shirai or something like that. If you if you feel the need to call up four at a time, do it that way. So I it almost felt like that you didn't need them on this show. Yeah, because it was weird. The, the show overall, which we'll get into the rest of it, which isn't that much apart from the NXT call-ups, uh, it felt like th- they were happening in two distinct universes. You had the the NXT matches, and then you had 
all the stuff that we've been telling over the course of months that hasn't just been dropped on us on Monday morning. Yeah. So you've got the, 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 the main event scene with those six guys. That was unaffected. Asuka came back and she was in the mix with... Um, with Mandy Rose, but you know, pre-existing SmackDown stars. Like, where's where's our truth? Where's Nakamura. Samoa Joe and Nakamura? Samoa Joe's on TV. You mean? Oh, Rusev. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Rusev. Uh, where's well, the the bar were there, but like the bar, the Usos. The Usos were like, it, but yeah. it's the, that that mid card scene of SmackDown that once felt like there was a lot going on there. It's Rusev and Nakamura haven't been on TV for weeks on end. Our truth hasn't been seen since he won the belt. And it's amazingly, that's exactly what Rusev said was going to happen. He did an interview with Lillian Garcia where he said, when I got the belt in December, I wanted to do something with that belt. I wanted to make that belt feel as important as it did when I defended it against John Cena at WrestleMania when I came out in a tank. But I've lost it now, and so no one's going to see it again. Yeah. And it's exactly what happened. Out of the, Yeah, I totally get your point. Out of the two shows... SmackDown doesn't need anything changing. It's been a spectacular uh, wrestling show for the last month, really. So why, why, why put in why all put these us- NXT call-ups? And to credit, it, it still blows my mind. And we said this in yesterday's show. It's the same guy booking the shows. Like it's the same guy doing both shows. SmackDown built stuff towards Fastlane. Raw did nothing of the sorts. Raw built no matches towards the pay-per-view that's happening in three weeks. Whereas SmackDown built three matches for that show. And it's the biggest show of the year, Fastlane. Behind. Oh, you you think it's the biggest? Yeah, Fastlane's the biggest show of the year. I can't think of anything else. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Um, so let's do some Patreon shout outs before we get out of here. Thank you. Arnie K, the K stands for the coolest dude ever. Oh, it's Woo! so nice to see Arnie cool. back. Chippendale Creasy. Woo! Yes. yes, nice one. Ben, hey now, you're a rock star. Haley. Yes. Woo! Yeah. Uh, I've got to give a shout out to one other person as well because they did email in. Um, I did my Mr. Plow joke because I it's, that was the first thing I thought of when I saw their name was Plowman. But um, to, to their credit, I didn't actually really say their name because their name is Michael Plowman. Oh. So I, I just said Mr. Plow. So, sorry, Michael Plowman. That uh, name again that. is? Is Michael Plowman, <laughs> which is what I've amended to. That'll be there next month. Uh, but also giving a shout out to the Trouble Pimp Angel, Santiago Villanueva. Nicely pronounced. Thank you so much. Much. The real boss, Matt Robinson. Like yes. a boss. Like a boss. Alex weighs a fen ton. That's potentially shaming. Uh, join him, John Iowa. John Iowa, Iowa. Yeah. Marky Mark and the Buncey Bunch. Whoa, oh, Buncy I love bunch. it. The Rocket, Dan Van Syke. Dan Van Syke. Or Sky. I'd have said Sky. Yeah. Uh, and the Ninjetic Pirate, Megan. Nice. Ninjetic Pirate, man. Smackdown opened with that Shane McMahon promo where he he, he high-fived everyone and he didn't mention the tag team title loss at all. But they also played this really good recap of the, the, the Elimination Chamber main event. And it focused, really focused in on Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan. And then at the end, like how emotional that Kofi Kingston stuff was. And it was a really good video package. So, so good. Really, really neatly put over Kofi. And, ah, I, like, so at the end of the show, they announce it's going to be Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan at Fastlane. It's, which is one of those things where I've never understood the complaint that WWE is too predictable and that's a problem. Because mm. we all thought this was going to happen, right? Like, coming out of Elimination Chamber, we're like, well, they've got to have a match at Fastlane. And you and that's the sixth one. You're like, oh, and Kofi's going to pin Daniel Bryan in the, in the main event. That's not a bad thing. I don't mind that I can see that coming based off the video package you showed me at the start of the night. That's okay. Yeah. I'm happy with this. Yeah, I love Thor. Like, I, I, I was really invested in Thor Ragnarok. And I believe, like, some, you know, I, I was worried for Thor at moments. But I never thought Thor wasn't going to win. <laughs> so, like, the predict there's predictability where it's it's copy and paste and it's, it's Baron boring. Corbin versus Braun Strowman. Yeah, or there's predictability where it's like, no, that's actually good fundamental storytelling. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Shane came out. They did the it, they did the video package, and then Shane's in full authority figure mode. He is running down the card of what we've got tonight. He's recapping stuff from the previous night, talking about how amazing those NXT call-ups are. I'm like, what is your role? I did, just, it's just so... How can you get invested in anything when they tell you something is over with and isn't going to happen anymore, and then they just do it again two weeks later, as if they never said it? It's so frustrating. And 
But Miz came out. Miz knows. And he said, hey, I know automatic rematch clauses are antiquated, aren't a, are antiquated and aren't a thing anymore. But you're a McMahon, aren't you? Not an authority figure. <laughs> no. So you can make that happen, can't you? And the Usos came out and they were like, yeah, we, we want it because you're choking. It's an, you know, it's an easy win for us. So it's on. Yeah, Shane was like, yeah, you, we're getting a rematch. We're having a rematch and it's going to happen at Fastlane. So what is Shane? <laughs> I just, and, and like he was making the match at the end. Paige has a movie out this Friday, or it was last Friday, I don't know. It feels like it's been coming out for a year. And she was a really good general manager that everyone liked. But she was taped just for the new era. Okay. Baron Corbin is to blame. Yeah. Um, I did like the Usos line where they said that uh, the reason why you lost is because Miz is a joke. He's a failure. He's an A-lister with C-list skills. I mean, that's great. C-list wrestling skills, definitely. Acting-wise, he was very good. And talking about his dad and things oh. like that. I thought Miz was really, really great in the segment. He, so he got teary. Uh, very genuinely, it seemed authentic to me. Um, and he was talking about how Shane bringing out his dad, sorry, Miz's dad, to tell Miz that he was proud of him. That's like, he said that was the best moment of his career, which is laughable. <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> Miz saying it had me believe that yeah. he believed it was the best moment of his career. There's a reason why he's the longest lasting Marine. Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason why it wasn't Ted DiBiase Jr. <laughs> Miz, Miz was very good here. And he, he said later on that uh, Mr. Miz, Miz's dad, yeah. who has <laughs> really no place <laughs> in a wrestling performance world because you know he he, he just smiles all the time yeah. he's he's Has not got a, a good nice actor. Tash, though but but he is funny he, he's he's a funny presence i'm glad he's like a he's like a meme that's come become sentient yeah, yeah yeah so i i li- I, li- I like that and he's going to be at ringside for their fast lane match yeah um we had the um uh, Alistair Black match in the DIY segment uh, and then AJ and Jeff were kind of like getting ready backstage because of the, the six man. And uh, Kofi walks up um, and he says that, you know, normally people would offer an olive branch, but I'm going to offer you a pancake branch because it's the new day. Yeah, and it was it was a it was a branch with loads of pancakes, pancakes stuck on it. on it. It was so this was great. This was just funny. Uh, Kofi played it really deadpan. And behind him is Xavier Woods cradling Biggie like a child who has the the silliest expression on his face Biggie all the with... way through <laughs> he's like this like a like a pancake eating gremlin he is having the time of his life biggie mm. it's ever since they just let the new day be who they were meant to be and not what wwe wanted them to be in the early days of new day it just feels like these three have had the most fun in this company yeah there's a reason why they're not asking for their release <laughs> But that we know that we of. we know of, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, Xavier and... I don't No one's really ever talked about that. But, you know, Xavier is very friendly with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. Yeah. And they've done stuff in multiple other areas. They've teased, like, six-mans between them and the Young Bucks and stuff. Never really thought about that. Because, like you said, they're so... They feel so WWE. Yeah. But, yeah. Well... Yeah, well, maybe may one to watch. If they win the belts, uh, we'll know that they asked for their release. <laughs> uh, so after that, we had DIY taken on the bar. Then we got uh, the, the the announcement that Ricochet's face and Eric Young. See, there's my note. <laughs> ha ha! It's with like an exclamation mark. <laughs> uh, DX getting the the Hall of Fame video package, and then 
Right, so Asuka's return to TV hasn't been seen since she beat Becky Lynch, biggest star in the company, at least the biggest female star in the company, the most over female star in the company at the Royal Rumble, tapped her out clean in the middle of the ring, hasn't been seen since. She returned to SmackDown mm. this week, and I was like, thank, oh, hi, Asuka, there you are. Love, so happy to see you back. And essentially she did an in-ring interview with Kayla Braxton where they did a wonderful job of skipping over a lot of 2018 where they were like you had the longest winning streak in ww history you won the women's royal rumble and then you won the title <laughs> it's like none of the other stuff in the middle happened yeah you had about 10 months there <laughs> and Asuka just said like do you feel like you've been lost in the shuffle and Asuka says i've beaten charlotte and becky at tlc i beat becky at the royal rumble i'm looking for a new challenger and i made this joke in my <laughs> review that Probably since around the Royal Rumble, maybe a little bit before that, I feel like a lot of internet channel, I've certainly seen it in comments, and I've had interactions with people when we reply to comments, of saying, like, Sonya Deville will be a really good challenger for Asuka. Oh, she, yeah. She's just yeah, given yeah. a chance. And WWE listens to their fans by giving you Sonya Deville's best friend, Mandy Rose. Because when Mandy Rose came out, I was like, well, at least we're getting an Asuka squash match, I guess, to show that Asuka's still a dominant champion. That's what I thought. I thought, oh, okay, Mandy Rose is going to, because Mandy Rose interrupts and she does a little promo herself. Like, you know, I, I can beat you. Mandy Rose is ready for Asuka. I was like, okay, so Asuka's going to beat her and then they'll set up the actual feud. The storyline that they've been working on for the three, four weeks <laughs> yeah. that Asuka hasn't been on TV. Because you've had time. You've had time to work, uh, think of something. I've, I've got to I've got to point this out. I, I can't shake it. And I've said it before. But when Mandy Rose comes out with Sonya Deville and it's the, it's the, the smudge lens <laughs> and you can't see Sonya Deville because she's all blurry. I just... <laughs> that's what Vince McMahon sees. <laughs> We're, we're never getting a Sonya push. No, absolutely not. <clears throat> never underestimate the power of being blonde. Yeah. And then it led to a match between Asuka and Mandy Rose. As we said, I, I just figured this would be, a, you know, not a squash match because Mandy Rose, you know, she was part of the final two or the final four in the Elimination Chamber. Yeah. So they, and they clearly really like her. So they'll give her a good competitive match. She had a nice V trigger on the outside. And then she feigns an eye injury. Oh, you're missing a bit. We'll come back to the Lacey Evans thing. Well, I think it's important to say that bit first. Okay. Because that would be... So, Lacey Evans walks out, gets halfway, and walks back up. Scared by Sonya Deville. Yeah. it's. I, I appreciated Sonya Deville shouting at her. Yeah. Like, that was a good touch. Um, Sonya's great. And she walks off, she does her shtick. And that's like, that's your distraction spot, right? Mm -hmm. That's where... Like Asuka can beat Mandy Rose, or if you're if you're insane enough to have Rose get a surprise victory over Asuka, that can happen. But it didn't it didn't actually affect anything because then they wrestled for a few more minutes and then this happened. Mandy Rose feigned an injury, feigned an eye injury, and Asuka was like, "No, I want to continue wrestling." And the ref's like, no, "Pushing her back, pushing her back." And this went on for quite a while, and then all of a sudden, Mandy Rose just got a surprise pinfall victory over Asuka. I was stunned. Mm. She outsmarted her. Like this wasn't this wasn't Asuka this wasn't again a surprise pin. This was a calculated plan by Mandy Rose. She outsmarted the women's champion. And, Co and Corey Graves on commentary going, she outsmarted and Byron said, No, she cheated, she cheated. She like, no, Corey's right. She outsmarted the champion because Asuka, like an idiot, fell for this. And Mandy Mandy Rose now is the fourth person in WWE to pin Asuka. 
or tap her out. Um, Charlotte Flair, Carmella, and Nia Jax are the other three. And Iconics holds two victories over Asuka in tag matches where they pinned her partner. And I think someone else said that James Ellsworth has technically got a win over her as well uh, through countouts or something along those lines. And you look at that list and you're like, Charlotte Flair, Carmella, Mandy Rose, never underestimate the power of being blonde Mm. and beautiful in WWE. It will get you everywhere. I have no real issue with Mandy Rose. Her character does nothing for me. I guess her feud with Naomi's over. Um, I don't know what it led to. And so I've got no real issue with Mandy Rose. I just do not buy her as a serious contender to ask her. Absolutely do not buy her as a contender. It's a, it's a total waste. It's a total waste of Asuka. Uh, I, I'm worried that it's not just a fast lane filler match. It might go on to WrestleMania. And really, Asuka shouldn't be having a fast lane filler match because she just skipped a whole pay-per-view cycle. Like, you sh- she should be getting something more here. Um, apparently, the report as of Monday was that Asuka was going to face Lacey Evans at, at WrestleMania, WrestleMania. But that was dropped. And now the plans are up in the air for who Asuka's going to face. I just, it's, I think, like you know, like, as we agreed, NXT call-ups are a surprise. Crowd was dead. I think we can all also agree that WWE have completely mishandled Asuka since winning the belt. And it's crazy considering all the real genuine momentum and how fans were into her when she won that TLC match. It actually felt like they had managed to remarkably rehab the terrible job they'd done with her in 2018 mm. outside of the Royal Rumble win. It really did feel like, oh, they've they found it. They've worked this out. They've, they've rehabbed this character. She's back to where she was when we loved her in NXT. And here we are, a few weeks later, and she's being pinned by Mandy Rose on TV because she's an idiot and Mandy Rose outsmarted her. And just the Lacey Evans thing as well. <laughs> like, it doesn't play into anything. It's, I don't know. Well, let's move on. Charlotte was backstage. Uh, she had an interview with a new interviewer. Who is, who is she? I think she's the Renee Young clone that they made. Oh, Do you yeah? remember she got signed uh, slash created a few months ago? I think it was back in August. And in one picture, she looks exactly like Renee Young's face. So it could be her, could be someone different. I don't know. Is this like the, um, what was his name, Rich Brennan? The one who, the commentator who looked exactly like Michael Cole. Mm. And you looked, was like, oh, cool, I see why you've been hired then. <laughs> so yeah, she came on screen. I don't, obviously Charlotte was a very good promo because she's great as a heel. But I was so distracted by like, who are you? Who the devil are you? Because WWE need more different ladies well, to Dash, interview Dash people? is obviously busy. Dasha, Charlie, Kayla. And now and this new person, Mini Renee. Yeah, which is quite tiny, considering Renee's quite tiny anyway. Uh, but Charlotte did show off a awesome-looking bruise oh, mate, on her yeah, arm absolutely. from the Becky beatdown. That was that was like a, a, a hue, a purple hue. Oh, Going to take him down to market. It, it was, was a good. good, good bruise, mate. Um, and then we got the Miz Shane stuff where. Miz told Shane his dad's going to be at ringside for their fast lane match. Ricochet beat Eric Young. And then we got the main event, which was preceded by Kayla Braxton interviewing New Day backstage about Kofi. And this was great. And it, like, obviously it goes without saying, Kofi is brilliant. But let's not overlook how fundamental Xavier and Big E are 
to making Kofi feel even more special. Right. Like, Kofi's great. The presentation of him's been great. But the use of the New Day to just push that, like, he's got momentum. But the New Day are like this, the, the guys at the back of the train shoveling in coal yeah. and making it going faster. They are terrific. Yeah, absolutely. They're so, so good. And, like, because they were talking about how Kofi Mania has been on a roll for seven days. Which is what we've been saying as well. Like two weeks ago, no one cared about Kofi Kingston in the main event of a pay-per-view. Eight days ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, even spider. Eight days ago, no one cared about Kofi Kingston in the main event. But Kofi Kofi Mania is running wild. But Xavier Woods has this line that says, this isn't seven days in the making. This is 11 years in the making. Yeah. Instagram wasn't a thing when Kofi mm. Kingston was on this journey. Biggie made a reference to Empire, which I guess is a TV show. A big Alan Partridge shrug of the shoulders there, I'm afraid. But, like, I did this in my review. Iron Man and The Dark Knight had not been released when Kofi Kingston... The Dark Knight hadn't been released? Yeah, 2008. Whoa. So when Kofi Kingston debuted, uh, which I believe is January 22nd, 2008, I Wikipedia'd this, um, Iron Man was released a couple months later and Dark Knight was released uh, after that. Holy moly. We were all getting down to Flow Riders low... Low, 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 low. And Randy Orton was WWE champion in the main event. Mm. What was the main event of this show? It was... <laughs> <laughs> Good segue. Thanks, mate. It was Jeff. As, as we already said, it was that six-man tag involving Orton on the heels side. Uh, and we got a Kevin Owens promo. It's the same one in between Raw, this. Yeah. yeah, so we don't need to talk about that. But this match was... Was was good. It was it was really fun. Daniel Bryan came out as he usually does with it for a uh, a promo before the match starts. Welt still clearly on his chest. I feel like he's asked people to chop him backstage. <laughs> to like, oh no, they're starting to heal. Chop me again before I go out. I need a top up. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, he's he's got the. It's great with just. Great presentation overall with that custom name. Oh, bar. I love it's it. It's green. And it's just like his Titantron is so good. It's a brilliant presentation of this character. And he says, he, he effectively says the same stuff in every promo. Yep. And just like Bray Wyatt does. But the difference is, Brian's, Brian has substance and wins and titles to back him up. And that's what slowly chipped away at Bray because he kept losing all these big feuds. But Brian, like, victories over Brian means so much to SmackDown and to me because they've made they've built them up so much and uh yeah he like Brian had this great line where I'm not going to be facing any of these guys at Fastlane because I've already beaten them in the elimination chamber and he's not wrong oh the best heels are justified heels. Mm. I, I thought Brian was great. Yeah, really good. Um, but Kofi... and then he tagged out immediately. Yeah, like a yeah, little yeah. dirty heel. He's great. But as you said earlier, to to counter my point about putting Ricochet in this match, this was built around Kofi, and he had. I guess if like Kofi's great, but he's not Ricochet levels of athleticism. Mm. So a Kofi, like he's amazing trust dives and he's he's dives over the top rope as well. Don't really compare to the somersault six fifty cent on things that Ricochet can do, but uh, yeah, like it was it was a really nicely structured match where Kofi hot tags AJ and there's this really frantic sequence where everyone runs in and it all comes down to uh, Brian and AJ and they're doing a double down and when AJ hot tags in Kofi, that's when like Kofi runs wild and, yeah. and takes out people on the outside with dives, and he hits the trouble in paradise. To pin Brian. Again. He's pinned him again. Yeah. And then um, 
Shane but McMahon. But Brian, Brian lost nothing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, absolutely not. And that, that, yeah, I don't want to say, like, oh, they keep pinning Brian. Mm. It, it really, because Brian lasted, he outlasted everyone in the Elimination Chamber. He was in first. Yeah. So he's gained, he's gained so much from that match that he doesn't lose anything here either. I, I thought that the performance was really great. And then Shane McMahon comes out and says, Daniel Bryan, you will be defending the title at Fastlane against, pause, Kofi Kingston. And Kofi's had this big celebration. New Day have got him up on his shoulders. It's a great, great moment. And yeah, we're getting Daniel v. Kofi at Fastlane. So that's great. I think my, I, I'd said this in a review, my only worry, my only like <clears throat> negative to this is I think a lot of people had their hearts set that we were going to do the Kofi Bryan mania match with Kofi getting that big win. I can't see them doing a Kofi big win at um, I, I think I know what you're going to a Kofi big win at Fastlane unless of course this is an Eddie Guerrero situation oh what how, how do you mean well Eddie Guerrero won the title at No Way Out oh, before yeah, yeah, Wrestlemania yeah. from Brock Lesnar yeah right so I that this could just be an example of us loving the idea of the New Day versus the Straight Veg Society and then spinning off into that into that Mania match uh, there's those reports that Daniel Bryan's Mania match is going to be against a returning WWE star, not a Batista or a Triple H, but someone who's injured currently, like a Kevin Owens, a Kevin Owens or a Bray Wyatt or wh- whoever. And gosh, you imagine it's Luke Harper. Yeah, can you like li- li- seriously bring Luke Harper back and put him straight into the main event picture? And it and it's him. It's what I, he wanted. That's what they're doing with everyone else on their roster, it seems. But the that, I've actually written it down because I always say someone said this on Reddit. I can't remember who, but this was such a good idea. RJ, R. James on show on Reddit suggested the next three weeks, you build the feud around New Day's consumerism versus Brian's socialist shtick and Kofi loses at Fastlane through Brian's shenanigans or like Rowan interferes. Hmm. And you're like, ah, no. How do you then build to the mania match that we all want? Kofi asks for one more shot at Brian at, at WrestleMania. Brian agrees, but only if Kofi disbands the New Day. If he loses. If he loses. That's wonderful. Because Brian's like, you know, they're all about pancakes. And, and positivity positi- and being together and always having each other's back. Yeah, and, and Brian wants to get rid of that. Oh. And he can frame it like, no, I'm trying to save the world by disbanding you. Because by disbanding you, there'll be so many less T-shirts available on uh, WWEshop.com. We won't be wasting plastic and this, that, and the other. That's a great idea. It's a great idea. Yeah. That's so good. I mean, there's there's multiple ways you can go, but uh, we've we've come up with at least two. So let's let's see where WWE go with it. But I'm I'm just very excited that they're continuing with Kofi's momentum. Yes. And the fact that he's got the fast lane match doesn't mean that they'll drop him afterwards. We were worried that they'll just... Drop it completely. Yeah, come back on tonight's SmackDown and say, well, you made him believe, Kofi. Here's our truth in the US title. Yeah, Finn but, Balor it. Yeah, but now it's like they're keeping him in the mix. They're really smartly keeping the momentum going. They're, they're listening to the fans. Like, this is this is what we want to happen. We want to sit... We're so invested in Kofi, so... Full credit to WWE for that. Uh, I I would give this show. It's a difficult one. Um, I would give it because I, I I love the the main event stuff. Uh, but really, I guess it's an average. <laughs> it's a three out of five show for me. I give it a low smacktastic. 
Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I've I really enjoyed the main event stuff. And the argument that I gave in the show was that I thought this was a better presentation of the NXT guys, even if the Gargano Champa stuff doesn't sit right with me. For the main roster audience, for your main, your, your Joe Schmoes, this felt like a better presentation of them. Perhaps Ricochet, not so much. So, and, and, and I'm just glad that they're riding this wave of momentum with Kofi. And I enjoyed watching the show. I cannot get behind Mandy Rose and Asuka, or Mandy Rose pinning Asuka. Cannot get behind that whatsoever. But I thought Miz was also very good as well. Mm. Yeah, it's it's weird. I think Kofi, uh, not Kofi, Raw has acted as a shield for SmackDown here. Because if they did all these call-ups on SmackDown, like if, if they didn't come up on Monday Night Raw, I would be equally, like, what those... the hell are you doing? Yeah. Uh, with with no substance or anything, so the fact that I had twenty four hours to deal with that emotionally, yeah, made uh, made SmackDown an easier watch when I saw it again. Twenty four hours of arguing with people on Twitter, <laughs> or well, I say argument, people just people just debating. telling me I'm wrong. No debating on Twitter, <laughs> You're right? You know, you were talking about. Um, a very expensive thing in that sort of documentary about the flat earth things. They were spending a lot of money on yeah. something that really sort of like, at the end of the day, you could argue that was a waste of money, but it was a fun little experiment nonetheless. Mm. I found someone who shared this on Twitter that I thought I would bring this up with you. There is a Kickstarter project that has been launched. 29 days to go. It's had 80 backers thus far. Actually, I'm going to refresh the page in case it's had more because I feel like this is 83, in fact, now. Um, and it's called Digitally Erase the Rat from the End of the Departed. Okay. So, The Departed, it's the Scorsese movie yes. uh, about uh, a Boston gang member and a Massachusetts police officer who sort of like infiltrate each other's groups. And it's a very, very, it's a really well-performed movie. It's a, uh, an English language remake of... Infernal Affairs. Internal Affairs. Internal Affairs. Yeah. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure it's Internal Affairs. You, you carry on talking. Um, and basically, but right at the end of the movie, uh, as, and I'm gonna, I'll give you a direct quote here. Unfortunately, The Departed has one... It is Infernal Affairs. Is it really? Mm -hmm. I've been saying it's it wrong. It's a trilogy. Hmm. I do apologize then. Um, and I quote from this Kickstarter page. Unfortunately, The Departed has one huge problem. The movie ends with a painfully on-the-nose metaphor of an actual <laughs> rat crawling across screen. Oh, this was a trend in uh, sort of big budget blockbuster dramas that what you know the the oscar baiting films yeah. in the early noughties i remember ah what was rex ah, what was the freaking sam mendes film um, bond no 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 okay you keep talking i'll find that one anyway he continues it's always bothered me that a movie as good as the departed has such a cheesy ending and mm. i recently realized it could be fixed by digitally erasing the rat from the last <laughs> shot but digital effects are not cheap which is why i'm here to kickstart trying to raise four thousand dollars four thousand dollars may sound a lot so let me break down the cost for these nine easy steps <laughs> And this is why I loved this Kickstarter and why I wanted to bring this up. Step one, I need $18.91 to buy a Blu-ray of The Departed. I could probably, probably find it on BitTorrent, but I think it's important to support the filmmakers and the studio and not break the law. Mm. Step two, I need $141.54 to buy a Blu-ray player because I don't own one. 54 cents? Yep. Apparently so. That's what he's found. Sold. You can get a cheaper Blu-ray player than that, surely. And he's just... He's taken us for a ride, this and guy. And he's just broken it down into like this minute detail 
of like, uh, I've never ripped a Blu-ray before, but I found a program that will cost me $59. <laughs> um, I'm going to pay uh, $599 to hire Ed Mundy, a visual effects artist who's worked <laughs> on TV, but I'm, I can't pay him $600 or more because the IRS requires you to send them a, a, a 1099 MISC form at the end of the year, and that's too much work for me. Sure. Step five, um, I can't sell this on Blue... Well, I need to... Love this. Step five. Because my end goal is to make the Ratless version of The Departed, the official version of the film, and because Scorsese shot The Departed on film, I need $414.59 to print the digital file onto 35mm film. Step six. Since I have no way of viewing 35mm film, I'll need $169.92 to scan the film print to convert it to a digital file so I can view it myself. And he just I need $57 to buy uh, Adobe Creative Cloud Suite for a month. It's just things like this. And eventually, this whole thing is that at the end of it, I will give you a uh, a Blu-ray of the definitive ratless cut of The Departed. So, so what? What do you remember? What the shot is? Is it like a street and a rat runs across the road? He's got an image of it there. It's it's crawling Uh, across a window. So it would just be a shot through the window of Boston. Is it Boston that it takes place? Yeah, Mm because it's the Irish gangs, isn't it? Because it was shortly after, it was a few years after Gangs of New York, Mm -hmm. which is also of gangs in America. In New York. And Irish. Yeah. Uh, So that's the shot he wants to do. It really made me laugh. That's good. I I just love the minute detail he's broken this down into. It's most definitely a a joke, though, right? You don't think that's serious? Well, I think it's a bit, I think he he recognises in that, that he doesn't need to buy the Blu-ray to transfer onto film to then transfer back on, to, to then digitize again. Yeah. Can I read you step seven, which yes. is the Adobe uh, Creative Cloud Suite? This will allow me to edit the digital scan of the 35mm print of the <laughs> Ratless digital file into the end of The Departed. Adobe does offer a seven-day free trial of their suite, but I've already used that to make the Kickstarter video. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. Let's make this happen. Everyone who's a pledge hammer, <laughs> just don't give money to us for a month. Go help this guy. Um, uh, did mo- you find that film? Yeah, the movie was Revolutionary Road. Came out a bit later, actually, in 2008. But this is, it's uh, it's Leo. It's Leonardo DiCaprio. And um, who's it? who else is in it? Who's the lady? Mm, who is lady. the lady? It's Kate Winslet. Of course it is. And Reuniting I think she Titanic. Was, yeah, I think she was married to Sam Mendes at the time. And She's from my hometown of Reading, Kate huh. Winslet. And she, there's, a, there's an estate named after her. There's a, there's a tremendous... Nine minute performance from Michael Shannon for which he got Oscar nominated. It's one of those really cool. He was only in one scene mm. and he gets an Oscar nomination. He was so good. Anyway, really good movie. Deals with a lot of stuff. And at the end of it, when the movie should have ended three minutes prior, they then have one scene where there's a guy and his wife's talking to him and it's an old guy and he just takes out his ear like his hearing aid mm. and then the 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 sound of the wife dies down. And like, what? Why? Do- I got all that from the movie. I got that message from the movie. These aren't even the main characters in the movie. Why are we ending on them? You stupid man. <laughs> you return of the king dip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a reference that's lost on me. Never seen the film. Uh, would you like a Rusev, hey? Rusev, hey. This comes in from Jared. Hello, Luke, Ollie, Laurie, but certainly not Randall Keith Natson. <laughs> I'm excited to share with you my first Rusev, hey? One that maybe Laurie will appreciate because it involves Pokemon and the superstar that would become if injected with a serum and turned to Steve Rogers into Captain America, which is not an insult to Steve Rogers, is a virtuous and trustworthy man just like El Fakador. Well, to- we've got a new benchmark for Rusev, Hayes, by the way. Is that Kofi one? It's Kofi Kingston untimed 
find someone's shoelaces. I'm not sure anyone will have a Rousseau Pay as good as that. That's one, number one. It's... Should we start ranking them? <laughs> Should we have a top Rousseau Pay story? The guy who uh, slapped AJ Styles in the eye. <laughs> yep. Uh, and didn't someone have a brawl at an ICW show? Uh, is that the Trent Seven one again? Yeah, yeah I think yeah, it's Trent Seven landed on someone yeah. in the crowd. Uh, anyway, back to Jared's email. Two good friends came oh, to... Oh, and vi- sorry, and the Riot Squad not being able to pay for oh, their cab. That's good. <laughs> Uh, two good friends came to visit me the Sunday before the Elimination Chamber for one of their birthdays. I live in a much larger city compared to them, and there are no comic book or board game shops in their area. So for his birthday, my friend wanted to visit all of the local shops. I told him that this was perfect because there was a Pokemon Go tournament happening that day at one of them, and I had planned to compete. We arrived just a few more, a few minutes before the contest was set to start, and gladly so, because next to the game shop, in a vitamin shop, and who did we see leaving that shop? It was the number one fella himself, Seamus. We debated for a second as he walked away if it was him and if he was leaving the vitamin or game shop. After deciding it was him, I ran over to greet him. Wait, wait, wait. Vitamin and game shop? I think they were asking whether it was the vitamin or game shop that uh, he had come out of. Ah, they did see him, right. Cool. Yeah. Um, he was much faster than I uh, gave him credit for because he was in a car and I had cranked um, and had cranked it before he saw me about to walk away. He rolled down the window and asked if I was if it was okay to say hi. He greeted me with a fist bump. I asked if I could quickly grab a photo, and to my surprise, he gets out of the car and says, "Sure." He, he was obviously on a time crunch, and for that, I feel bad for interrupting him. Yet he was very polite and even did his signature pose without even asking for the photo. It was genuinely pleasant experience that ha- made me uh, coming in last for the following Pokemon Go tournament a lot less painful. Thank you for all your consistent content, and yes, I've attached the picture below because picks or it didn't happen and there he is with Seamus hey ah oh, he looks like he's doesn't he look so much better without that stupid mohawk yeah I've always thought Seamus looks pretty rad when his hair's just down yeah yeah it's a good look it is a good look. handsome fella yeah bebop uh well but yeah that's that's a that's a sweet nice thing uh but the Pokemon thing reminded me mm-hmm. my Valentine's Day gift hasn't arrived for me yet what yeah I know yeah I've got I had one part of it which was so I like the uh, the pens which have multiple colors on, so oh, you yeah. can select which color. Yeah, so yeah, it's easier to take notes. And I got a it was a Pikachu one, Pikachu. <laughs> and I was like, oh, but what's the what's the proper present? <laughs> and and it hasn't arrived. But I was using my girlfriend's phone and I saw the page. Oh man! Like, I told her and she was like, yeah, it's a Pokemon notebook. Nice. From Moleskin. Ooh, Ooh, very nice. Pikachu. <laughs> um, got no Do you know where that comes from? No. So in good, in the good place, and Jason, that they they all get stuff that they really always wanted, and everyone gets really nice personal moments. Yeah. And for Jason, it's uh, it's a giant Pikachu cuddly <laughs> toy, and he just jumps up and goes Pikachu. They <laughs> <laughs> just, I got. I, so, he was so happy. Oh man, yeah. I tend to forget Jason moments. He's my least favorite character. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a bit too dumb, and he's not endearingly dumb like no. uh, Chris Pratt in Parks, and, Parks Rec. and Rec. Yeah, or Joey in Friends. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, the only time I've really enjoyed the Jason character is when Janet played him for that one episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that he's was not, great. He's not terrible. No, but no, he's, don't blame his yeah. performance. Also, he's from the home of uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars and AEW. He loves them. He yeah, yeah. bloody loves the Jaguars. Anyway, that's all we've got time for on this show. Thank you so much for listening. Laurie and I will be back tomorrow for the NXT review. Wonder if uh, that will have any tie-in <laughs> to what's been happening on Raw. People Raw's might Smackdown. watch that one. <laughs> and then be like, 
the hell are these characters? Um, and that, that's actually got a match. That's got the NXT North American Championship match between Velveteen Dream and Alistair Ooh. Black versus Roderick Strong. Yeah, we'll see who actually is the US champion. Yeah, the North American champion. Sorry, yeah, the North American I don't know champion. who the US champion is. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. probably Ty Dillinger. <laughs> certainly probably isn't the one on a house show. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's what we've got time for. We'll see you then. Take care. I love you. Goodbye. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.